Today's message is intended to encourage us to be a joyful people, because I think we know that we're supposed to be, right? Right? Good news of great joy for all the people. That's for us. We're to be, we're to be joyful. Uh, but life sometimes gets in the way, and there can be difficulties, and, and we can say, well, yeah, that's not very joyful. So today, I'm going to try to encourage you with a definition of what biblical joy is, so we have a fundamental understanding of what that is. It's different than happiness. It's not based upon temporary things like my sports team winning or everything in my house or my possessions going right. Uh, so it's based upon something else. And it's not something that you can just say, snap my hands, I've, I'm going to just flip the switch, I'm going to be joyful from here on out the rest of my days. It's a process that we have to engage in with, with, the, with the relationship with the Holy Spirit within us. So we're going to talk about what that means, uh, joy defined. Then we're going to talk about how joy um, can respond through you and through me, through a, a response of David. And then also, if that doesn't encourage you enough, I'm going to give you 10 reasons, a, a te- top 10 list of joy blessings in our lives. If we, can, if we can just mark some of those and work on those this week, that would be great. So before we get to the scripture text, let's just make sure we understand what joy means. Joy defined is this, a delight in life. I just want to pause there. Delight. Think about delight. All right? What do you delight in? Oh, I delight. Right? It's something that's really good. Right? You find a lot of happiness and pleasure in uh, and satisfaction and contentment. A delight in life that runs deeper than pain or pleasure. Okay? So that's what we're looking at. That's the goal. So as I looked at that this week, I had to ask myself, would I be known as a delightful person? Would you be known as a delightful person? Is joy something that's attached to you? We want it to be. A delight in life that runs deeper than pain or pleasure. Psalm 16 and Romans 15 suggest that God is not only the source of joy, but that he is able to impart joy to us. Okay? God can give you joy. Romans 15 13, a benediction says this, may the God of hope fill you with all joy. Okay, now that's a good prayer to pray for your family this week and for your church, brothers and sisters, and for your pastor and for me to you. Okay, may the God of all hope fill you with joy this week. Biblically speaking, joy is not limited by, it's not tied solely to external circumstances. Okay, because then we'd only be joyful if our meal that we're cooking turned out perfectly. Oh, I burnt the cookies. There goes joy for the day, right? Oh, I didn't do this right, or this went wrong, or boy, the market's down. I'm losing money. There goes my joy, right? It's not based upon those things. It's produced from within us through our relationship with God. The fullness of joy comes when there is a deep presence of God in one's life. So this is another one of the fundamental things that you hear over and over again today is that we need to have a relationship, an ongoing relationship with God in order to produce joy in our lives. It's not just something that you say, well, I've got to be joyful because now I'm church, right? Hi, everything's good. I've got joy in me. No, it's, it's, it's something that's, that's, that will be visible and seen because we have a relationship and we seek God and live with Him. In the Old Testament, Uh, Different words describe joy. 
Uh, one of the words means it's gladness or mirth, amusement expressed as laughter, right? Uh, there was a bit of this, perhaps, when we saw the children play the, the trees and the flowers and the ocean, right? We, we can laugh and enjoy that because God is working through them to teach us, and he's present in this moment, right? It could also mean in the Old Testament to spring about, joyful dancing before the Lord. We're going to see that David did some of this, perhaps, when the ark returned to the people, and it also can mean to shine or to be glad. In the Old Testament, joy is produced and found and associated most often with God's saving acts, right? He parted the sea and they fled through from the Egyptians. And on the other side, they sang and they rejoiced. They wrote a song and they danced. There was rejoicing. It's also associated with God's law and God's word. In the New Testament, joy is associated with salvation, the work of Christ on our behalf, and the blessings that come with that. Jesus also associates joy in John 15 with love. If you love me, you obey me. And he also says, I came that you might have joy and know it to its fullest. It's associated in New Testament with the working of the Holy Spirit within us. Again, it's not something that we can just say, I'm going to be joyful, but we want to seek and allow the Holy Spirit to produce this within us. And here's a funny thing, too. Also, in the New Testament, we see that Jesus and the disciples exhibited joy even when they were being persecuted or beaten. So in suffering and weakness, that has a redemptive purpose. There also can be joy. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of my name's sake. This is how and why the disciples, when they were, when they were um, imprisoned or beaten because they were preaching in Jesus' name, they could still be joyful. They rejoiced because of their communion with Christ, all right? From a psychological perspective, one cannot experience joy while being preoccupied with one's own security, pleasure, or self-interest. And this is where I think we get caught. We get caught up in looking at so much at our lives and the things that are going wrong or broken right there in front of us that we miss joy. Something greater is needed to overcome fear and to give meaning and purpose to our lives. And that is God in the presence of his life with us. So let's look at 1 Chronicles 15, verses 25 to 29. It's an example of joy responding. So David and the elders of Israel and the commanders of units of a thousand went to bring up the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord from the house of Obed-Edom with rejoicing. Because God had helped the Levites who were carrying the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord. Seven bulls and seven rams were sacrificed. Now David was clothed in a robe of fine linen, as were all the Levites who were carrying the Ark, and as were the singers. And Kenaniah, who was in charge of the singing of the choirs, David also wore a linen ephod. So all Israel brought up the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord with shouts, with the sounding of rams, ram's horns and trumpets and of cymbals and the playing of lyres and harps. I'm just going to tag on verse 29. As the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord was entering the city of David into Jerusalem, Michael, daughter of Saul, watched from a window, and when she saw King David dancing and celebrating, she despised him in her heart. So that day, Michael decided not to join in the joyful response to worship. You know, the Ark of the Covenant... Uh, was the most important sacred object of the Israelites. 
from between the two cherubim on top. God spoke to Moses. The ark was carried by Levites. It went before the people into battle. It led them on river crossings. It was the only piece of furniture in the Holy of Holies. The Ark of the Covenant, or as it is known, the Ark of the Testimony, represented the presence of God with his people. But at one point, the people elevated the actual Ark itself over God. And they just took the Ark out and says, with the Ark out here, we can't ever be beaten. And they forgot to ask God to go with them. And the Philistines destroyed them and captured the Ark. So the Philistines would take the ark and they put it in their own temple alongside the other false idols. And God's presence began to destroy their idols. And they put them into another place and it began to make people sick. So the Philistine says, get this ark out of here. And they put it on a cart and they sent it back. David's first attempt to get the ark back had the ark riding on a new cart pulled by some oxen. When the oxen stumbled, a man named Uzzah He reached out to study the ark. He put his hand to study it there, but immediately he was killed before the Lord. In our desire to understand and receive the joy of the Lord, we must not casually approach his blessing. The account of David's second attempt, in which we read today, to bring the ark back to Jerusalem illustrates that God prescribes a way For us to approach him and experience his presence. This is what we're progressing for and remembering at Christmas time that Jesus for us is that way. But for them, the proper way was to carry the ark with Levites. In fact, David says that earlier in the chapter. No one but the Levites may carry the ark of God. He realized where they've gone wrong. Because the Lord chose them to carry the ark of the Lord and to minister before him forever. David also, though, went out in faith and believed that God would be with them. He arranged for the descendants of Aaron and Levi, about a thousand people, to lead the procession. So let's take what we have here times 10, right? A thousand people and begin to march through our community holding something that's very sacred, right? Would people notice that? Oh, yeah, you better believe it. And then we start adding to it, right, some music, some symbols, If I had symbols, I would clash them, but symbols can be very loud, right? They can be very loud out in front. We're sounding the symbols. We're blowing the ram's horn. We were singing. We had singers there, trumpeters. They also dressed. It was a joyful procession because God was coming back to be with his people. David's response was faithful. He placed his hope in the belief that God would allow the ark to return with him. What a public display of joy. I imagine the towns and even the foreigners that saw this progression said, hey, the God of the Israelites is back with them. Heads up. The Ark of the Covenant, the Ark of the Testimony, reminded the people that God was with them and that his presence was the absolute best thing that they had going for them. Sometimes we forget that, don't we? Sometimes we can forget that the God of the universe, the God who created all things, who is all-powerful, lives within us and among us. Sometimes we forget because of what happens in the things around us. So sometimes I think we just have to remember 
in order to be joyful and to let it respond. David wrote a song intending to help the people do just that. He gave it to Asaph, and they sang this song in 1 Chronicles 16. At the end of the song, it says, Then all the people said, Amen, and praise the Lord. That's why sometimes people do that today in the course of, of preaching or singing, something that you really agree with, you just say, amen, right? Want to practice that? Amen. Oh, that was good. I wasn't even ready, but you did it. And there's another one called, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Oh, right, right. So when it begins, David says uh, things like, give thanks to the Lord, call on his name, make known among the nations what he has done, sing to him, sing praise to him, tell of his wonderful acts. He's giving the people actual things to do to let joy come from their body, right? It's a response of joy. And then he gets down in here and he starts to talk about who God is, right? He says, sing to the Lord all the earth, proclaim his salvation day after day, declare his glory among the nations, for great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. He is to be feared above all gods, for the gods of the nations are idols, but the Lord made the heavens. Splendor and majesty are before him, strength and joy in his dwelling place. And he again says, kids, get ready. Let the sea resound. Let the sea resound. And all that is in it, let the fields be jubilant. And everything in them, then the trees of the field will sing. They will sing for joy before the Lord, for he comes to judge the earth. Praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, from everlasting to everlasting. Then all the people said, Amen. and, Praise yeah, see, we need practice sometimes at being joyful, right? That was pretty good. But listen, in your normal day, right, be joyful and let joy respond with, with singing um, or giving thanks or calling on his name. Make known what he has done. We were singing up here last week. Do you remember the, the chancel choir? We sang, it only takes a spark. I was trying to play guitar along with it. And we were getting to this line. And, and I felt the Spirit of God sweep over me. And I was almost crying. I kept it together to try to finish the song. But the line was this. The Lord of love has come to me. I'm like, whew. The Lord of love. The God of love has stepped out of, into time and come for me to know him, right? And my response at that moment, my body and everything in me wanted to just be like, oh, cry and weep. That's what I do when I'm overwhelmed with the Spirit. But I held it together to finish the song. But this is our joy response, recognizing and remembering what God has done. Tell of his wonderful acts. Glory in his holy name. Glory is, I believe that means to give audible praise to him. Seek his face. Go to him in prayer. Bring an offering. This is an expression of joy, not obligation. We're going to practice that in just a little bit. A chance to say, God, thank you. I remember. I want to participate in what you're doing. Everything that I have comes from you. I want to give some back. Joyful response in our offering. Isn't it, isn't it intriguing at the end of this? In chapter 16, one of the things that David says to the people in the response of praise is say, cry out, save us, O God, our Savior. Save us, O God, our Savior. Turn to Luke 2 in your Bibles. 
Luke 2 gives us accounts of what's happening in the lives of the shepherds who were in the fields near Bethlehem. Verse 8, And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. A Savior has been born to you. Right? From the, from the chronicles saying, save us, to the angels saying to the shepherds, a Savior has been born to you. A reason for us to respond with joy. I want to talk to you about the blessing of living a joyful life or joy's blessing. That, that, that notification, today a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ or he is the Messiah, the anointed one, the Lord. It's the good news that's, cause, that's to cause us to produce great joy. Remember our definition of joy? A delight in life that runs deeper than pain or pleasure. What I've just done is try to give you reason or example or illustrations on how this joy can be coming forth from your life and responding that we can be a joyful people. Now I'm just trying to encourage you that this is good for us as well. The truth of God's working in our lives to send a Savior, it cannot be undone. It's finished. It's not like the, the mechanical ability of your car. It's not like the stock market. It's not dependent upon those things. No one can take away the fact that Jesus was born. God's only Son was born and given for us. And that in Him, we have a life that's unmatched. It can't be undone. Blessing to live in this joy. He announced this arrival, just like they brought the ark back with the great procession of a thousand people. God's procession into our world came with an angelic host that lit up the sky. And he says, You shepherds, you'll be the first ones to observe this. Now, they weren't dressed in fine linens or ephods on them, but they were able to go as they were and worship before the king of kings. I, I appreciate that that's there for us that we can come just as we are to Jesus. They, they came to see God in the flesh, lying in a cattle's feeding trough. God in the helpless form of an infant child was a part of his creation. This baby we know would grow to become our Savior, a man who would die for our offenses against God. So this morning, as I did this week, I had to consider the, what does it mean to live a joyful life? And I begin to think about, well, I think it would be blessings here, and then here, and here. And I, and I came up with a list of 10 that I want to encourage you with this morning. These are 10 blessings of living a life of joy that are produced from the presence of God in our lives. I'll share these with you because uh, I want to encourage you to pursue these and look at it and to say, yes, I want that, Okay. About Christmas shopping, I sometimes can go from item to item. I think it's good. I think it's there. I have a hard time pulling the trigger, right? These are here to say, yeah, it is good to live a life of joy, right? Because sometimes we miss it. Here's number, here's number 10, and these can fluctuate on an order, but this is how I ranked them. Number 10, emotional stability, okay, can come from living a life of joy produced from the presence of God in our lives. 
You know, sometimes our emotions can be like a roller coaster, up and down, right? And we can just let anger take control of us. And we can be angry for so long, and we can even sin in our anger. But if we're accustomed to taking our, our attitudes, our emotions, our reactions to the Lord and letting joy be produced through us, we can keep that anger in check. Because Jesus says, don't sin in your anger. Emotional stability, whether you're anger or even sad, if we have joy working through our lives because the presence of God is there and we see what he's done and we let his power work in our lives, we'll be a little bit more emotional stable. Our fluctuations not based on how we feel. You can't let feelings drive the train, right? Because you'll be off the track in no time, right? Number nine, the second blessing of living a life of joy produced from the presence of God is dynamic worship, right? So what if we began to live and seek out this joy and say, God, produce joy in me today. I'm looking at you. I'm remembering. I'm singing. I'm praying. I'm trembling before you. And he reminds you of things all through the week. And then today, when we gather and we sing whatever songs we're singing, it's a culmination of all that week. Instead of, instead of I'm not sure this is happening with you or not, but sometimes we can come to Sunday and we have not worshiped or thought of God a whole lot all week. And then we just try to sing songs now. What if we sang songs and we glorified God all week and we came out of the surplus of that then and sang Sunday morning, right? In Hebrews 12, 22, it says, um, the, the author is describing to the people of the church. It says, you have come to a thousands upon thousands of angels in joyful assembly. Sing for joy. Number eight, the title is not guilty. How many of you want to exclaim that? Well, let me listen to what the command is. I want to too, but I'm guilty. <laughs> it's a three-word command that Paul gives, an exhortation in Thessalonians. Be is the first word. Always is the last word. And the middle word is joyful. Be joyful always. Oh, I think I missed that. Be joyful always. Oh, man. That's the goal. That's what Paul says. Be joyful always. And I'm like, hmm. Oh, guilty. But if we strive to engage the Holy Spirit and say, Lord, produce joy in me. Help me see what you've done. Right? Let me have you in my life wherever I go. Help me to see it. And even the trees of the field and the flowers and the sea will remind us of God's presence who is there, right? Number seven, we will be a better ambassadors if we're living a life of joy produced by the presence. How many of you want to be a good ambassador for Jesus, right? Hmm. <clears throat> Rewind that. How many of you want to be good ambassadors for Jesus? Yeah, all right? The church is not supposed to be always gloom and glum or laying heavy weights on people. No. I think for us to be salt and light and be something that the world is attracted to, we can produce joy in our lives even through great trial. Even through the death of loved ones, we can have a joy that's saying, how can you do this? 
We can be salt and light. It's better seen in joyful people. And Jesus said to us, go make disciples of all nations. It's when we work in the right harmony, in the right relationship with the Creator, is that it sounds sweet. It sounds right. It purrs. I was reminded this morning of a car that I had. The first car I purchased when I got a job as a teacher, it was a Plymouth Laser. I looked it up this morning in an image, right? It was red. It was two-door. It had like a little bump on the hood because like it was like a massive engine or something. It wasn't that massive. But it went faster than any other car that I had before. And when I got it and when I started it, it purred. I'm like, is it running? <clears throat> After a while, I'm running this car. Something happened. Something was loose or broke. It didn't, I could still run it, but it made like an awful clattering. I'm like, ooh. I kind of got used to it, and I just did it because taking it to the mechanic, you know, costs money, and I was trying to save money, and, and eventually I took it to the mechanic, and I got it back, and he said to me, this is what it's supposed to sound like, and it was back in the right order again, right? I think that's us with living joyfully, that we're in the right relationship with our Heavenly Father, and His presence is in our life. We will be like purring for the world to see, Okay? That's five, five blessings of living. Oh, but here's the fifth one, physical blessings, physical benefits. Number six, being joyful can reduce blood pressure, all right? It can strengthen your immune system and combat stress. There have been studies done on the effect of happiness. Joyfulness is not the exact same thing as happiness, but I believe that when we're joyful, and we, have, uh, we find delight in this world that's separate from the things of this world, the same positive effects of being happy will be applied to us. All right. So if your goal for 2018 is to become a fitter person, a healthier person, right? I want to reduce my blood pressure. I want my immune system to be better, right? I, I, don't, want, I don't want my hair to change color. I want it to be just the way it is naturally and not have gray hairs pop out. <clears throat> well, some of you, it's too late. But for some of us, being joyful can have a positive effect on your body, okay? Physical benefits of, of letting joy and seeking joy in your life, letting God produce joy in you. There's a five. Number five more to go. Here we go. Number five, there's relational benefits. I want you to think about the opposite of our definition of joy. Instead of people who find delight in this world, all right, there are people that just are critical and complain and everything's wrong. And their, their, their contentment fluctuates with their day, right? Everything that's going on. Who would you rather be around, right? Who would you rather, who would you, who would you rather marry, right? Who would you rather hang out with in commission and work with or sing with in the choir or, or hear from, from the pulpit, someone who's always nagging and saying, you got this, or someone who can say there's some joy involved, right? So there's good things for all of us here. There's a relational benefits for us to be a joyful people with each other, with our families, and with the world. I watched a movie called A Wonderful Life this week with Tracy one night. George Bailey, anyone watch this movie? A Wonderful Life? George Bailey, man, he, was, he, he had dreams of leaving Bedford Falls, but he never quite could get out, right? But he made the best of it. I appreciate George Bailey a lot and what he did and what he stood for. 
But at the end, he just lost it, right? His uncle, I forget what his name was, lost the $8,000 deposit, right? Uh, and he didn't know what he was going to do. And he kind of snapped at his wife. He snapped at his kids. Quit playing that song on the piano. I don't know how to spell that. And he just kind of snapped at them. And he left out and he left them. And he was going to jump off a bridge. But God, through, the, uh, through Clarence, the angel, uh, intervened with George Bailey. And he came to realize the effect that if I wasn't living in this life and having an influence, the town would be much different in a lot of things. So George was doing a lot of good things, but he just had a hard time seeing them. Because he was looking beyond that. He wasn't seeing what God was doing. And God changed his perspective. And he said, I do have a wonderful life. I have a wife and kids that love me, a place to live. If you can't get that analogy, then think of Ebenezer Scrooge, right? No friends or kids, the Grinch, right? <laughs> Here's a relational benefit that's from Scripture, from 3 John 1.4. John writes this, who is the spiritual father for many. He says, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. Okay? So it is with us, right, parents and grandparents? You want to see your kids walking in the truth and following after Jesus? Relational benefits of us being a people that finds joy and seeks joy through being in relationship with God. Number four, number four. If you are a joyful person and you seek joy and you let it work through your life, this will be a witness that you are with God as the working of the Holy Spirit in your life. The fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, right? Joy is right there, number two, right? Is there joy in your life? Some of us, many of us, sometimes drop the ball on this because people don't see joy in our lives, okay? It can be a witness of the working of the Holy Spirit in your life. It can have a powerful effect for your witness in the world. Number three, you can enjoy the present spiritual realities of Jesus. These are some of the things that produce joy in me. And to enjoy them more, do you enjoy forgiveness? Are you glad that God separates your sins as far as the east is from the west? Oh, I am, right? If you think about God and spend time with him, reminding you of forgiveness, those are wonderful things. Salvation, adopted as a child into God's living hope. Jesus, our high priest, sacrificed once for all. There's no longer any need for sacrifice. Jesus paid it all. Number two, we can anticipate the future spiritual realities of knowing Jesus in eternal life. The blessings of living a joyful life through God's presence. It's not just for this life, but we can say, man, I have joy today because I know what God's doing for me in the future. He's going ahead of me, prepare a place for me, a place where there's no more curse, right? That produces joy in my life. He says, I'm making everything new. Number one on the list, in your response, in your journey to Christmas, as you think about what are the blessings of living a life of joy, number one, I believe it pleases God. Hebrews 11:6 6 says, without faith, it's impossible to please God. But with faith, and you're responding to joy and let joy flow through you and out of you, you can say to God, I recognize that you gave your son for me. I receive him, and I live a life of faith, and I want to have the joy that Jesus says we can have by connecting to him. God has come to save. He's given us his spirit to help produce joy in our lives. Your joyful response to God's presence in your life, it might be, it might be the best gift you can give those around you this Christmas.
How many are still buying gifts or making lists, right? Let's write joy on that. I want to be a gift. I want to be a person that is joyful. And that'll be a gift that I can give to my family and to you and vice versa and to each other. It might be the best thing you could do for yourself. I'm tired of being negative. I'm tired of being always cranky, grumpy. I'm tired of not finding any pleasure or delight in this life that I'm living. It might be just a prayer. Say, Lord, produce this in me. And I tell you this morning that I think it's the right response to Jesus' birth that gives, that pleases your heavenly Father. The angel says, I bring you news, good news of great joy that will be for all the people. So today we we proclaim that this is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for uh, my brothers and sisters. Um, and Lord, uh, we confess uh, that we are sometimes guilty of not always being joyful. Uh, so Lord, uh, we, we, we ask that you, your spirit would just flow over us and uh, remind us today through songs, through singing, through our children, uh, where you're present and at work. And most importantly, that you are birthed within us, O oh God. As we, as we receive you through faith, Jesus, you take up residence within us. So Spirit, Holy Spirit of God, may today be a day of joy for us, despite what happens in this world, as we keep our eyes fixed upon Jesus, the Savior that was born for us. In his name we pray, amen and amen. Brother Brian.